What's up, gentlemen? This is Rising Phoenix Podcast, a podcast about how to rise up after your divorce. I'm your host, divorce coach, Michael Rhodes. Let's get into it. Joining me today is Professor Loellen Van Zale. Uh, Loellen, let's just jump right into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So uh, I'm a professor of positive psychology at uh, university in the Netherlands, also uh, in the university, uh, Northwest University in South Africa. And my area is really trying to understand how to help people live happier and healthier lives. So we try to identify people's strengths are and figuring out how can we utilize those strengths to help them to become the best possible version um, of themselves. And that's pretty much my uh, my my area. So, okay, so rabbit holes. This is why I do create an outline because things like this happen. Um, how do you determine someone's strengths? What's, is there a quiz? Is there a test? Is there like, what? how do you do that? So when I, when I ask you, right, Michael, what are your strengths? What's, what comes to mind for you? What are the things that you're really absolutely amazing at? Ooh, amazing. That's a tough word. Uh, um, uh, I feel like I'm, oof. I feel like I'm a good interviewer. Um, I feel like I'm, a. I feel like I have a lot of persistence. Um, I don't give up very easily. Um, I feel like I am articulate, personable, generally, uh, even when I am tired. <laughs> Thanks to caffeine. Um, so, no, I mean, those are some of the Funny. ones that come 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 to my, you know, right to the forefront of my mind. Those those things. Did you see how difficult it was initially for you when I asked you uh, sure. what what are your strengths are? And it's like well, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the moment you start thinking about it, oh, I'm persistent. Oh, yeah. um, I am quite articulate. Oh, I'm quite personable. Yeah. So do you know why it's so difficult for you uh, to identify these things that are so good in you? Why it doesn't come naturally? I think it's a human thing. I think we are all sort of negatively biased in a lot of ways, right? A long time ago, we had to be in order for our species to survive. So I think, and I think also that, it, part of that survival was also being part of a group in a tribe and and you didn't want to do anything to sort of stand out in a way because maybe you would get kicked out. And so I think there's this just tendency in us to just sort of uh, just go along to get along type of thing. I don't know. That's my, my guess. Exactly. So that's one of the big components. We're programmed that way because like it, it helps us to survive because we're, we're negatively biased because we want to be able to increase our probability of surviving. And if I, I usually do this activity where I ask people to, like, in 30 seconds, write down everything that's negative about you, everything that you're bad at, right? And they'll come up with a list of, like, 18, 20 things. And if you ask people, then to turn the paper around and in 30 seconds, write down what's, what your strengths, things you're good are, they'll have, like, maybe one or two things. Yeah. There are two reasons for that besides the, the overarching, like, uh, trying to survive thing. The one is, what is the one word? A kid between the age of six months and eight years hears the most, the most frequent word. They oh, I bet it's no. Yeah. Exactly. Across cultures, whether you're Zulu or whether you're American, it's no, don't do that. Yeah. So you're naturally trained to, um, to avoid the things that you're bad at. But when you do something that's absolutely amazing, right? you might say, oh, okay, that's quite nice, right? right. Um, but we don't celebrate it. And because of that, like when you talk about like your perseverance, your personability, um, it's average because right. everybody is creative. Everybody is a good interview. 
better. Everybody is persistent because we see the things that we're absolutely amazing at as normal. And that's not the case. So we're not programmed that way. So the idea behind the whole strengths thing is that we all do have our strengths, things that we are good at inside of us. One, we just need to know what they actually are. So get a list of them. And two, figuring out what can I actually do with them and how do I use them? So we can use like the VIA strengths inventory. You can Google it. It's free to do on uh, the Penn State uh, uh, University's website. Uh, you can also do the Clifton um, strengths finder. So these helps you identify the, the, the practical strengths. Right? Um, but you can also ask people. So if I ask you to tell a story of something that where you felt like at your absolute best, you will start to tell the story where you're utilizing the strength a lot. And it's my responsibility or, or my, not responsibility, but my um, role as your guidance or your coach, your counselor, to give you the vocabulary because you already know what they are. I know I'm creative. You know you have high levels of perseverance. You know that. Yeah. So just don't know what the word is. and You don't know how to identify it. So there are tests that you can do. We can ask you to tell these stories. There's strength spotting exercises. You can also ask um, a, a very nice exercise to do. It's like, I'm not sure if you know what a 360 degree evaluation is. No. Um, it's it's something that they it originated in organizational psychology where uh, they would ask leaders, like we'd ask your manager and your employees and your customers and your family all to, uh, to give feedback on anonymously on what they think your strengths, your abilities, and these things are, so that we can figure out, get a holistic view of who you are, so we can help you create developmental plans to help you to become, a, to get to the next level of leadership or, or whatever. So what we've kind of like done in from the positive side perspective, do the same thing, but we ask people to have an anonymous little survey, go on Google Docs and, and create one or whatever, and submit it to your wife or your friends or your kids, your manager and some of your co-workers and just ask basic questions it's um what do you think are the three things i'm absolutely amazing at mm. what are the three things that come to mind just to counterbalance it what's the one thing uh, you feel i can develop in a little bit more and what do you feel i should stop start and continue doing and taking all this stuff together you get a very holistic view of what makes you special from the other person's perspectives and then we have this we have this thing called the Yuhari's window, which basically indicates there are things that on one, think about like a matrix. On the one end, there are things that you know about you. And there are things that, that I, as someone that doesn't know you, knows about you. Right? Mm. So there are things that I and you know about you. Quadrant one, you are, uh, you're from the United States. You're quite personable. You just told me you have high levels of perseverance. There are things that you know about you that I don't know. And the people around you don't know. Okay? There are also things that I know about you that you don't know. And there are things that you, neither you nor I know about you. And this is things, for example, like you might be very good at, I don't know, playing, you're playing electric guitar in the back. Maybe you'd be super good at playing bass, but you've never tried. Right. The moment you pick it up, it just naturally happens for you. Right. Um, so it's identifying, um, so identifying those things that neither I nor you know about you is very difficult because um, like you have to try things and go out and do things to experience this, right? Yeah. But that blind spots and also the strength spots, like asking other people for feedback and see how this uh, aligns to your view, that's an important thing. So I think this is some um, activities that you can use to identify the things that you're um, 
that you're really good at. That makes you unique and makes you special. Yeah. Well, like I said, it, it that's not the topic of conversation, but it's fascinating to me because I think it's important. I think the the um one of the things that occurs when you go through a divorce uh, is you lose your identity and then you got to figure out um, how to gain it back. And I think you don't do that without diving into yourself. And I think the, the stuff that you just described is that's what it is. It's diving into yourself and figuring out who you are. What do you like um, separate from, from the life that you had? So I think, I think it's all good stuff. I took some notes. I'm not, I think I've taken the via strengths already, but I, but I'll uh, the Clifton, I haven't heard of that. I don't think so. I'll dive into that because I think it's, you know, sometimes it can help direct not only, you know, your personal life, but <clears throat> excuse me, your your work life as well. You know, uh, you can try and figure out, you know, if there's certain jobs you might be interested in or or, or whatever. It's, it's it's good to know uh, your your strengths. So um, <clears throat> thank you for that. Um, the reason I had to go is, on. Yeah, go ahead. There it is. I just said this is part of this process, though, because um, in order for you, because you're really you're right in the. State where you have to find you have to craft out a new identity mm. of you outside of that relationship. Going through divorce is one of the most difficult things a person can do because one, um, it's you're going through the same process than you would when you are um, when you when someone has died close to you. Sure. The problem is you're constantly faced with that person, so you yes. don't have the luxury of having closure in that no, way. You so you not. have to really go out and really craft this new identity. And unfortunately, because you're in this relationship so much, you're in this little bubble, you don't know who you are. And identifying your strengths and figuring out how to use them a lot more is a core aspect of living a happier and healthier life to get you through these dark times. Yeah. Because if I am, for example, if we know that you are creative, you have high levels of perseverance, and, and you're kind, as an example, how can I? how can we use this to help you, I don't know, uh, deal with this awful divorce attorney that you're getting, that you're confronted mm. with, right? Yeah. Because if I'm using something that I'm good at, this this creativity, um, I feel naturally feel a lot better because I'm good at it, and I don't have to do something that I'm not. But I have to know that I have to use my creativity, or my kindness, or my curiosity in that way. So I'm using these strengths to solve these problems. So that's where this becomes a fundamental aspect of things that give you energy and not things that necessarily drain energy from you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally and completely agree. It, 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 and I think it's, I say this all the time, sort of about, you know, setting the intention, you know, making the decision, you know, and that's, I'm going to figure out who I am. How do I, at least now there's, you know, after this discussion, there's a, you know, okay. How, how is, you know, if we give you some clues here and some things you can, or some, some advice or some ways or some paths forward where you can, okay, you don't know who you are, you're, you're lost. Well, here's go find out what your strengths are, I think is at least a, a jumping off point, a starting point. So I, I thank you for, for, uh, for covering that. I didn't expect that. So thank you. <laughs> um, the reason I, I, as I think every, uh, psychologist, uh, doctor, um, therapist that I had uh, on this show, I, I found on psychologytoday.com. And that's where I found you. I found an article that you posted. Um, you know, it's more about uh, getting through seasonal depression, um, if I remember correctly. And, um, but I think it applies to, um, you know, one of the things you mentioned in the blog is about the holidays. And it's obviously we're in that time period. And, and this is my fifth uh, holiday um, since separation and then ultimately divorce. So, 
Um, these are difficult times. And, and so I want to try and, 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 and I've, I've had a similar episode not too long ago, but I, I think this stuff is important because I think, you know, suicide rates are, or, or, you know, I think they spike around the holidays. I think there's, you know, it's, I know it's hard. I, I, I live it. I live it. I've lived it for five years and it still has moments where it's like, this is not what I want. You know, um, I'm not sure what I would, uh, you know, what I would change at this point because it's, you know, reconciliation is not possible. I mean, just even for me, but, but uh, yeah, it's just, I still think it's good to give a guide and give some, some guidance um, to get through these times. So, so you gave a list of 10 different things and uh, printed them out. We're going to, we're going to cover them uh, one by one. And the first of those uh, that you listed is practice gratitude daily. Um, let's get specific. What does that mean? What um, I know that for me, I I, I journal uh, every morning that I'm, I'm sometimes I travel for work, but when I'm home every morning, I'm writing my I'm, my gratitude three three things I'm grateful for. Um, what what does that specifically look like? Is that the process? Does it matter if you do it in the morning, in the night, in the afternoon? Does it does it make any kind of a difference? What other studies? Um, so let's, let's focus in on practicing gratitude daily. What does that mean? So I think gratitude is one of the big things, um, in, in my field. And I think unlike other people that you've spoken to, that's trying to, trying to just manage the stuff, we're trying to help you to, to get more energy into the cup and not just trying to contain the cup, gotcha. uh, but to, to, to seal the holes. So the idea behind gratitude is that it's the ability to show appreciation towards towards others, but also to become more aware of the things um, or to relive the positive things that, ex- that has happened to you. So it's almost like if you think about the negative stuff, you think about your divorce, um, it activates the same aspects in your brain than your pain receptors, right? So you have, you go through the same thing. The memory is just as impactful as the actual event itself, right? Um, and the same thing with gratitude, the same thing with positive stuff. So the idea behind gratitude is to how to relive the positive experience that you've had before, but also to make you more conscious of the things that actually gives you energy. So there are two things, two activities that are that are really profound and very impactful. So the one is like called the gratitude visit. And the idea behind this is to say that think about someone in your life that has the most profound impact uh, on, on the shape of who you are. Maybe that was a uh, your old mentor or your old coach at at, at high school, or maybe it was like someone at university, but think about someone that had this major impact on your life that's still alive. Write a, a short 250 word letter to this person indicating who they, what impact they had on your life, what profound effect it had, and how are you feeling about this uh, and how it's changed you over time. Make an appointment and physically go there and read it to them. Right? This activity itself has shown to dramatically decrease depression, stress, and anxiety over the short and medium term. And if you practice these activities, it has a long-term sustainable effect up to like a year, a year and a half. So just as an example, in terms of practicing gratitude daily, the idea is to help you to become more conscious of the small little things that's actually happening that's positive in your life. Because we negate it. Sometimes I'm, I'm going through a shit day, and all of a sudden, like some ladies gives me like, uh, I have one item in the queue. She gives me space in front of her. I pay for it and I go, right? I don't, I'm not consciously aware of it, but I feel at that moment, I'm like, oh yeah, thank you so much. It saves me like a couple of minutes. Um, but because I'm not aware of it, I'm so engulfed in this negative stuff that's happening around me that I don't see these things. So it helps you to become more conscious of this. So the idea behind this is to say, to, to try and consciously look for three things that you're grateful for every day. Right? So at the end of the day, you reflect upon 
the day before, uh, the, 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 the preceding couple of hours, and think about the three things that actually happened that you feel grateful for. That's the first aspect. But, not, but listing them is not the, the most important part. The most important part about this is saying, but why did these things, hmm. why do I feel grateful for these things? Why were they positive for me? Hmm. So the lady uh, giving me space in the queue, why was this important for me? Why did this make me happy? Well, I was feeling like shit. I didn't want to be around people. I felt self-conscious. Um, I felt irritable. And it helped me to get out of the out of the building a lot faster. So it showed me that there is still some kindness left in the world. This person saw I was frustrated. And she helped me in that respect. So then I start to become more consciously aware of why these things are positive for me. And that helps me to become more conscious of these things in the future. So it's more a, a conscious exercise, making more conscious of these uh, of these facts. And so let's again, I love specificity. Are we doing this for five minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes? Like what's the time frame? So at the end of the day, all that you need to do with it, it takes you two minutes or 10 minutes. It's just literally writing down three things, what you're grateful for, for that day. And one reason why this was each one of these things, why it was a positive thing for you. That's it. Should not take you longer than 10 minutes, not even longer than five minutes. Gotcha. Um, okay. And do that for 30 days. And and you can, you can, so I always like think of uh, things, um, experiences. I don't, I'm not, exp- I, I don't think of events, but does that work too? So like, um, you know, I went to a football game with my daughter last year and it was amazing. Like, is that something that, because I, I don't think of those types of things, but is that something that's also effective as well? It's important to do things in the day. Right? Of course, when we look about that, it's important to look at these big events. You went to the football game. Why was it important? Why was it meaningful? Get to spend time with her. Um, I don't see her that often. I build a relationship. Right? Right. These overarching grand things are there, but it's easy for us to think about the grand things because they, they're few and far between. They had such a positive effect on us that they already ingrained themselves into my memory that this is a positive event. The purpose of the gratitude stuff is to make you aware of the small things, okay. the things okay. that are actually happening in the day, day-to-day life. That's not gotcha. so massively impactful. Gotcha. Okay, um, that's an excellent, uh, and I agree, and I think it's important. And a lot of a lot of folks talk about this uh, gratitude. Uh, I think it is incredibly important. Uh, the next one is engage in mindful meditation. Again, let's get specific because. Um, what does that mean? How, how do we do that? When? All those kind of good stuff. All, the, all, all those kind of good questions. So I think that I kind of listed them of all of the things from, from empirical research that had the most, the biggest impact, right? And the, the only two things that shown sustainable effects was mindfulness and gratitude over the long period of time to, to increase uh, positive effects, well-being, and decrease common mental health problems. Mindfulness is, a, is an interesting thing because I am not, I am not very mindful. I, I eat quite fast. I walk quite fast. I'm not very conscious of what's going on around me. So it's really yeah. difficult for me as an individual to focus and sit down for five minutes every day and just let my mind go, right? It's right, right. extremely impossible. Yeah. But one of the things that I found that works for me, um, instead of walking uh, or instead of sitting down, I, I, I go on a mindful walk. Mm-hmm. So the idea behind this is I, I walk and I try to be conscious of every step that I take. When I put down, I try to feel the conscious of the the earth pushing up against me and me pushing down on it. I try to be conscious of the sensations that I'm having in terms of what I'm feeling at that moment. So the the physical feelings, the the cold brush of air. Um, I try to be more conscious of the sounds. 
So, and I just walk around the block and it takes around 10, 15 minutes for me to do this. And it really helps me to become more aware of the, the sensations that I'm having. So I didn't know, for example, that I had um, heart pain, as an example. Um, I like I, Because I'm always so rushing, I don't know what my body is telling me. And the first couple of times I was walking, I was like, why am I having this weird sensation here? And I was walking and the pain became so excruciating that I went to the doctor and the doctor said, oh yeah, okay, you've got a... You've got a little bit of a heart problem there, and it seems like it's been there for quite some time. But because I'm not like very consciously aware of what's going on in my body, because I'm always rushing, I didn't know this. Yeah. So for me personally, the mindful walking thing worked really well. Mm. Um, when we talk about uh, what the literature and stuff tells us, it's literally just you only need five minutes a day where you sit down, uh, where you calm yourself, where you allow your thoughts just to go forth without letting it influence you. That has the most significant effect. So it's that 80%, 20% rule. You do 20% of the work to get 80% of the benefit. So right. after five minutes, the amount of benefit you get in terms of increase in life satisfaction and, and whatever uh, is not as much as that first five minutes, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you can sit for two, three hours right. and meditate, but you get only a slight little bit more benefit than you would for five minutes, for example. Yeah. And I like this app. Um, there's these these smaller. I don't want to. I'm not sure if I can. I can say the app's names, but there's yeah. apps that you can go on. Uh, there's like Breathe, for example, which is a yeah. nice one. Calm. Um, Headspace is another one, and yeah. they take you through these five minute guided meditations, and that's it. And but you have to do it consistently for a couple of weeks for yeah. you for it actually to have this effect. No. Um, so is that does it matter in terms of when morning, night, again, you know that kind of stuff. So for me personally, I don't think uh, it, it has that big of an impact when you're doing it, it's just being calm. But I do know for me, when I go through this walk, I feel I feel exhausted afterwards because it's a very intensive activity. And I know people meditate uh, and do this mindful eating or, or whatever, like at night, because they can go to sleep afterwards. Mm. Um, as an example, another activity I think that you can kind of like do is like mindful eating. So what we do with, with chocolates, for example, is that we ask a person to take a, a piece of chocolate in a wrapper, a small little chocolate, and just slowly open it. Or, or just feel it in your hands. And then slowly open it. Smell it. Mm. Put it in your mouth. Don't bite it. Let it melt. That's also a mindful-based activity. It's called savoring. Mm. And it also helps you to be more aware of uh, happiness in the, in, the, in the present. Where gratitude is happiness in the past, mindfulness is happiness in the present savoring hmm. that's another activity it doesn't matter if you do it in the morning or in the evening just as long as you have this five minutes for yourself yeah interesting okay um yeah i think i struggle with that one a little bit too i'm similar in terms of like i'm you know let's go let's go i got shit to do uh plus you know single father so um you know even half the time it's still you know it's it's challenging and you know there's a, not often where you can kind of just take a few minutes to yourself i mean it happens for sure but i think it's again it's being aware of these things and and trying to set the intention and making a part of your life and i think we can all you know as much as i you know oh i'm so busy i think i can find five minutes i'm pretty sure of it uh the next one because you have sorry you have no. to go to sleep right eventually yeah. so five minutes before you go to sleep just even if you just lie on your bed and just feel the, like the, the the pressure of the bed on top uh for underneath you whatever yeah. 
that's also being mindful, right? Yeah. It's also meditating. Yeah, yeah very true. Uh, yeah, and I think that's a lot of this stuff, right? I think, you know, we, for whatever reason, again, humans were negatively biased, or whatever. It's like, oh, it's, it's it just seems like this big, oh, meditation or what is that? That's weird or that's different or I can't do that. Or, and it's really, I don't, I don't think it's as complex as, as, uh, as we make it out to be sometimes. Um, number three is practice, practice random acts of kindness. Um, again, let's, uh, let's go, let's go. With specifics, what what do we mean? So when we talk about runner as kind of we talk about pro-social behavior, right? We are we are social animals, like you mentioned before. We we're a tribe. We want to work together to get to a common goal. Right? Um, and we ran not not me, but colleagues of mine ran multiple studies on this acts of kindness because we know kindness is a mechanism to kind of draw people together. It makes me feel good. And so they did these experiments where they did like okay, do one random act of kindness every single day, right? And then they did like one uh, every week, one every month, and five on every day, uh, five on a day. And they felt that if you do five random acts of kindness in a day, that's the only thing that actually affects uh, like life satisfaction, well-being, and these types of aspects. So the idea is then to say to do five random acts of kindness once a week. And it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm giving a thousand dollars to uh, the, the homeless guy on the street. It's small little gestures. Like the lady giving you or you giving a lady, an old lady in front of you uh, space in the queue, for example, right? Or helping uh, someone with their homework or it's really small little acts of kindness that makes us more aware of how the impact that we have on other people's lives. So the idea, again, is to do these small five tiny little things on one day, once a week. Hmm. All right. I can I can I can do that for sure. Um, this is the next one, uh, number four. I I really like this one. This this one sort of kind of I don't know. It made me feel a certain way. Uh, some joy, I guess. Uh, it, well, it uses the word joy. Do things you used to that used to bring you joy as a child. Um, I really like that one. Again, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about the science behind. It. So. When you, you're growing up as a kid and you're getting exposed to something, think about like the, the old Christmas movies that you watch. When you watch them today, you still have, for some reason, a warm feeling, right? Or if you see a, a, a or you hear a song from back in the day when you were a child, it still brings up this, even if it's just for a millisecond, it brings stuff up. Because at that stage, your brain is still wiring itself. It's still making new connections between things. And under these normal, let's call it confined, positive experiences, you create positive memories attached. So by doing things that you used to do that was fun and joyful and meaningful as a kid helps you to relive those experiences and it reactivates those pathways. Think about driving, uh, you're driving to your work and you used to take the shortcut because it was quite nice and, and scenic. And all of a sudden you realize, okay, but this is taking too long. I have to take this, the highway now. It's right. a lot faster. It gets me there. And the more I do this highway stuff, the less I, I, I start forgetting about this other route. Wow. When I discover this route again, I'm like, oh, yeah, and that's that 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 favorite tree of mine. And, right. oh, look at that, bam. You, you automatically reactivate the path and you automatically want to do that again. So doing things th that gave you joy as a child helps you really live those experiences. So it gives yeah. a little bit more energy into the, the thing. But it also helps you connect to things that you used to find fun and that used to be interesting for you. So it helps you relive that kid inside of you. Yeah, I and there's a lot that. of research that shows that. 
but yeah. how effective just that is. Yeah, uh, I love I love that one. Um, here's one that I we we had this brief conversation before we before we started. Uh, this is the one I struggle with: maintain consistent sleep, a healthy diet. I do okay there. Exercise every day, definitely not. Um, I mean that that's a large probably a large rabbit hole, but it, it let's at least talk about the the importance of um, consistent sleep. So I think probably everybody that you've spoken to or will speak to will always talk about a healthy body, healthy mind, right? Oh, yeah. But one thing I think that's really important is sleep hygiene. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about sleep hygiene, it's about having not the, the amount of sleep is not as important as the quality of the sleep that you get. Right? And when I talk about the quality, we're talking about like these REM cycles where you're like in deep sleep where you're dreaming. So the idea behind this is to say that... Um, Sleep helps reset your neural pathways. It basically hits reset on your emotions, on your physical, even um, like physical ailments like pain, chronic pain and things. It hits reset on them because your body gets a chance to to process stuff. Hmm. Now, the problem why most of us, me included, have bad sleep is because we have poor sleep hygiene. We Hmm. don't go to bed uh, at the same time. We use our bedroom for different things. It's not just for sleeping. Um, we, we do multiple things when we're not supposed to. We don't have a routine in way. We don't have a sleeping ritual. Um, so a lot of people talk about like getting into sleep, right? So make mm-hmm. sure that you go to the same same time to bed, get the same amount of hours, uh, use your space for what it is, not for other stuff. But what people also do not talk about is like how important w- the waking up part after sleep is. Mm-hmm. So when you wake up in the morning, the, what do you do the first thing when you wake up in the morning? Depends on the morning, but uh, it's either go wake my oldest daughter up or go make coffee. There's something you do before that. Uh, get out of bed, I guess. Right. You grab your phone. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, that's guilty. you see. Yeah, yeah. You're not quite because the moment that you pick up your phone, the moment you pick up your phone, your mo- your mind is activated and in work mode or in like energy yeah. mode or I have to do type of stuff. Yeah. Leave your phone when you wake up. Even if you just put it down, don't check it. Just take five minutes and wake up and allow yourself to think about things and and, and experience the process of getting awake. Mm. Otherwise, you're you're negating most of the benefits that you get from the sleep, at least the last sleep cycle. You're losing because you're automatically running again. Your brain automatically has to start being at 110 kilometers or miles an hour. So before sleep ritual, sleep hygiene, but also in the morning, finalizing the sleep process by allowing yourself to have a, a, a slow start five minutes but also have a ritual mm. be consistent i want to make coffee before i wake my kid up right. um, i want to have my read my newspaper or whatever right have a small little ritual gotcha okay um again all doable stuff um number six i think is probably one we all struggle with i think practice self-compassion and self-kindness so again let's let's talk about that how, how do we do that what's it look like why is it so damn hard i think we kind of touched on this already but yeah let's talk about uh self-compassion and self-kindness michael if you say half of the things that you're thinking about yourself to another person what do you think that other person is going to do to you? Oh, yeah, he's going to tell me to go fuck myself <laughs> pretty quickly. Yeah, 100%. Probably beat you up as well, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, so, why, so why are you so, why do you say these things? Like, oh, my God, it's so fucking stupid. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I should have done that. Like, why are you so hard on me? 
I think, and then you can confirm this, but I, I suspect this is true. And I think I've talked to other folks, you know, it all comes back to your childhood. I think, I think we're, we're obviously negatively biased as humans. That's part of it, I'm sure. But I think on, you know, good, bad or indifferent, um, you know, because we are negatively biased, the negative input that we get, I think, especially from our parents as chi- as children, I think sticks with us. And so I think for me, the, the negative that I hear is typically my mother, right? Um, that's just, that was sort of put into me from, from, from long, long ago. Like he said, you know, what's the one word, what's the, what's the word uh, kids hear the most? Just no. So I got, I suspect that that's, that's what's going on. That's exactly. So you're trained here to think about these things and you're as critical on yourself as what these important life figures in your case uh, was for you. Sure. Why? Because you are doing this because you feel like if I, if I make a mistake, oh, people won't like me. That's the fundamental uh, thing that's behind it. I'm useless. No, like I can't yes. do anything right. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. That's the, the thing that's underlying it. Not the mistake that you. Right. But knowing, um, I, but knowing that everybody makes mistakes is an important aspect. And we talk about self-kindness. I like to use this example where if you've got this massive zit on your face, this massive pimple, you're walking in town. And what do you think happens? What are you, what are you experiencing? Right. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna imagine that's what everyone's looking at and pointing at and talking about and right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're like, oh my god, like I'm disgusting. I don't want to see this. Everyone's right. looking at it. Yeah. Excellent. Great. How many people in that same day when you when you walked this yesterday in town, how many people's big massive pimples did you see? Right. Right. Yeah, no one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But because we're also like focused on the stuff that we realize that actually no one actually cares. No. And nobody cares if you make a mistake, unless you make such a massive mistake that it's, that goes viral and is on the internet and follows you for. And unfortunately, most of us are not that lucky. Most yeah, of us right. are not Kai and West. Um, <laughs> but the 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 fact of the matter is, like, we all make mistakes, and it's fine, and it's yeah. okay. And I think the big thing that I always try to, to tell myself is, is like, it's called this whole thing about radical acceptance. It's mm. to say that can I change something yeah. about this situation right now? Can I change? I'm going through this divorce at, at three o'clock in the morning. I wake up and then I'm like, oh shit, like this is happening. Like, can I check at this moment in time? What can I do? Yeah. Nothing. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. Right. So why am I spending energy on? Yeah. I can maybe do something tomorrow morning, right? right. Or I could phone the lawyer, or I could do whatever. Right. But at this moment, there's nothing that right. So allowing yourself just to accept the things that you're experiencing and knowing that the emotion that you're experiencing is not bad. Depression, anxiety, stress, they're not bad emotions. We are adding value. They're not going to hurt you. They are there. Just like happiness, just like sadness or whatever, they're there. And just allowing it to be because it's not going to hurt you. And accepting the feeling. Um, I think that's the that's the big thing. And you have to become aware here. When we talk about self-kindness and compassion. You have to become aware of the way in which you approach these problems these negative thought patterns so catastrophizing i would go and think blow everything out of proportion life is going to end nothing is going to ever be the same right no one's ever going to love me again right yeah i've had i've had multiple dates in my life right right uh i've had relationships before i can have relationships later but in that moment i know i catastrophize and if i catastrophize okay this is just what i'm doing right now let the thought go, let it run its course, let it catastrophize and just say, well, it's just a thought. Yeah. It's not reality. I think that's the that's the the, the big part. Yeah, I when think it comes to showing yourself more compassion. 
I think so. It, it to me, it always comes back. You kind of said it before. You know, it's mindfulness is such a big part of this stuff. To me, it it really it boils down. That's that's such a huge part of 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 life is is just being mindful of your thoughts and and you know it's one of the things. So I I do coach guys, and it's one of the things that I focus on is not. I don't want you to change your thoughts right away. I just want you to to recognize them and get into the habit of like, oh, that was negative or that wasn't very nice to me or whatever. So you can start getting into that. It's it's a mindful practice, right? You're paying attention to your own thoughts. And once you start catching them and being conscious of your thoughts, because I think we go through our life largely on autopilot, a lot of us. Mm. You know, we just we just we're going to make the coffee and then we, you know, go to the bathroom and then we sign on the email and, and it's just all very just sort of on autopilot. It feels like not every day, not every moment, but it kind of feels like that. But if you can start being mindful and paying attention to what you do, then you can start making some changes, but boy, is it fucking really, really hard. I think the big thing there is that when, when you're becoming aware of these emotions, like you, you know, the emotions are there, but you also have to look at what the triggers are behind. Mm. Right. And I think that the big thing there is like, uh, this is a story for a different day, but like exposure to it. So I know, for example, um, there, there is a, when I went through a breakup, there was a, uh, many years ago, it's not the same as a divorce, but like I had a very bad breakup. And there was a town in Germany called Essen and where this person stayed. And I, for the life of me, could not see, if I see the word Essen, um, it, it would trigger these emotions in me. And I could not even drive the road because all the stuff up. But systematically, I just allow myself to like, I would drive past and I would look at the sign. I'm like, okay, well, what's what's happening? Right. Like there's, I'm not getting hurt. I'm not going to die. I've lived a different life. But exposing myself to that, and over time it becomes a lot easier. But the trigger is important. And the reason where this comes from, like you said, the, the, the stuff that lies behind it, mm. understanding those things, being okay with it is another aspect. So a little yeah. bit of dual. Yeah, I think it's important to also you know, look back at your childhood to, to get an understanding of, of your patterns as well, because, and it's not to lay blame the feet of your parents, although it may be well-deserved, but we talk about things you can control. You, you can't do fuck all about that. Even if they were shitty parents, that was in the past, but at least to take pressure off yourself so that you understand that your habits and patterns didn't come from you. It's not like you were like, you know what? I'd like to be uh, really, really anxious. Can I get that one? Right. You know, it's not, you know, or, or whatever it is, right. That Whatever sort of some of your bad habits, bad patterns, all these things, they're developed a long time ago. And I think it's important to just at least understand that again, not to place blame, although it may be well-deserved, but just to understand that it's, you're not a fuck up. You're not a terrible person. You might have some bad habits and bad, practices and thought patterns or whatever but that came from from long ago so uh, you're right one is i think you got to be aware of sort of what you're thinking and and be mindful of those thoughts and then and then to, to understand sort of you know why you are the way that you are uh, i think it's i think it's incredibly important um how often you know sort of a rabbit hole but how often do you when you're working with someone how often does childhood sort of come up or or, or in classes or whatever so um, it's one of the fundamental things, uh, in even from our paradigms perspective, right? So behavior, there are certain things that's inborn, but we're trained in every other aspect. Yeah. And whether I was working with a first-year student or whether I was working with executives in uh, large multinational companies, it's always the same things. We have to try to identify what's going on uh, in the past because I won't be able to resolve it, but I can become okay with it. Yeah. And I like the, the whole metaphor about 
your your psyche is like this car, your first car that's given to you, right? It's this old beat up Ford Mustang with a tire that's halfway broken and a taillight that is out, right? The thing barely drives. You don't have money as a 16 year old to, to buy a new car. So you have this car and you have to make the best of it. Sometimes you've got, the, you've got a little bit of money and you can buy a new tire, right? Or you can fix the light temporarily. But this is the car that you've been given and this is the thing that you have to drive and make the best of it. Um, you can you can fix things over time if you've got the energy, the money to, to do it. But it's becoming okay with the fact and say that this is my car and I have and there's nothing I can do about it. It's a gift that was given to me, whether it's a good gift or bad gift or piece of coal. It was something that was given to me. And being um I, I had to make comfortable make peace with the same thing in my own mind is that my parents did absolutely the best that they could with what they had at that stage. Yeah. Like, it's not like they, like you said, you didn't choose anxiety and, and this. Right. Like she or he also tried her best with what sure. she had available to her. And maybe now 20 years later, she's a better person because she was also a child when she had you and you're growing up with her. Mm-hmm. Um, And now she's a lot wiser. That's why she's maybe a better grandparent than she is a, was a parent. But just realizing that she really just, tried, or he really just tried to do the best that he could. And that's okay. Um, it doesn't mean that you, sorry, it doesn't mean that you're adding value and say it was okay what they did, right. just feeling comfortable and realizing that it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so number seven, limit your exposure to social media. Boy, I love this one. Yeah. Um, that can be really, really hard, but talk about that. Why, why is that important? How does that help you get through sort of a depressive time period? So what is, what, what do we do on social? Just scroll scroll and like and and i think i mean I'm, I'm guessing probably part of the answer is and i think there are studies that bear this out i'm sure you'll touch on it is we compare right we see whether it be maybe our friends of course because we're not nobody's posting or re- people rarely post that you know they had the worst day of their lives or whatever it's always like oh i went on this trip or i did this thing and life is amazing you see the best parts of everyone's life and so i think i'm guessing there's a lot of comparison that occurs uh, when we when we spend a lot of time on social media, that's exactly the, that's exactly the right answer. The thing is, like we're even more sensitive towards this in December, where everybody we're con- consistently confronted with jingle bells and happiness and or fake happiness and consumerism, and everybody's like yeah. having a jolly old time. So it's it's always in our face. And if you're already down, if you're already in that hole, mm. and you're constantly being faced by this especially in social media where it's your friends like posting these things yeah. if it's strangers you can still say okay well they also have their right. but when it's someone close to you you feel like it's they're having so much better life why aren't they inviting me to this right, they know right. i'm going through a difficult time yeah. so we constantly go through this uh, comparison but we're even more sensitive during this time so it's important to try and avoid it as much as you possibly can um, because it's just going to dig that doll that that hole a lot deeper for you. Yeah, no, agreed. I I think, and it's a tough one because we're all so engrossed, you know, um, in in social media. It's just such a part of all of our lives. But I think it's good. I try to take a break at least once a year for for a week. Um, I probably should do it more, but but I do try to at times just step away. Um, a lot of it is, you know, I I run a support group on Facebook and for divorced men and there's there's right now there's over seven thousand and it can get you know um just overwhelming not necessarily 
the the sad stories don't don't affect me as much as 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 just some some sometimes the the negativity that I see and the anger and and that stuff can can weigh on me. Um, but I think it's a it's definitely an important part of this. It, but it's also it's kind of weird because you 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 know your friends are on there, and so like you feel like you know that's how you're connected to folks. But I don't think it's a it's not a real true connection. And I think that if the benefits uh, if if the the you know the negatives outweigh the benefits, and I think it's a good good idea to step away for a little bit. I think also for you specifically, um, because you're very very empathic by nature, it seems. so these things hit you a lot harder when you see it on social oh, yeah. media, for example. Right, so sure. it's not about the story; it's about the effect. It's about the emotion. Yeah. Well, so I, I, again, self awareness. Yeah, it's getting. If I know this about me, and I know this is going to be a difficult time. Uh, or whatever, I need to separate right. myself from that because otherwise I, I don't have the capacity to carry other people's emotions right now. Yeah. That's also on the negative end, not just the, 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 the positive end. Yeah, for sure. Um, so number eight, I love this one. Write a letter to your past self. Let's <laughs> talk about this one. Um, let's get specific on this one. What what like what past how long my kid, my like what five, you know, a year ago, like what what am who who which Michael am I writing to and 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 what am I writing to them to him? So I like to say, like, I was the happiest in my life when I was 10 years old. Mm. I was I was going, I was starting the, the puberty thing. I had my good friends, I had no issues, you know, like at least what I can what I can remember. And at that stage, when I even though we were very poor growing up, um, I knew like I knew, okay, well, one day it will be things will be fine, right? And and at that stage, even though I had no worries, I had certain expectations of what I think my life could have could have been like. I can tell you there is no way in hell if you ask my 10-year-old self where I would be when I was 35 or 38, I would say I was in the Netherlands, I have like this, I have that, I've been running a company, I've been doing all this stuff, I've seen the world. Like I would never even thought I would leave my hometown. So I would never and writing a letter to this person and saying, like, dear 10-year-old Lou, I am you from the future and I've got a story to tell. <laughs> Talking about what happened to you this year, explaining like I know when you were like when I was when when I was there with you, I knew you said you wanted to do this, this, and this. But let me tell you how my life has changed. Yes, there's been good things, and there's been bad things, but overall, this is where I'm at. Look at what I've conquered. Look at what I've what I've been able to achieve this year. So the idea is then to one. I like to do it every year, just for the year itself. Yeah. Saying, but look at all the good things and all the amazing mm. things that I've actually been able to do this year. Even if there's nothing, just the fact that despite all the troubles I'm having, I'm still here. Yeah. I still push through all of this stuff, showing my resilience. Even just explaining that type of stuff highlights not only the positive things that's happened to you, but also shows you your characteristics, your strengths, the things that you've been utilizing a lot more. Yeah. So writing this little letter to yourself um, really helps you to become more conscious of this fact, but also to celebrate all of the small victories that you've had over the year. Um, that's a good. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that one. I I, I don't. I, I, it's not something I've ever sort of uh, even heard about or, or or thought of. But I'm I'm gonna do that one this year for sure. Um, a friend of mine. Sorry, maybe. No, go ahead. Go ahead. A friend of mine does this thing where um, he writes an email to himself from a different account similar thing but sends it like 20 years in the future like when he's like 60 or something so he sends just a like a, a yearly update also to himself so that when he's older he can also realize 
relive all of these positive experiences. It's it's oh. a different thing for a different purpose, but it's a it's such a nice way to to become more conscious of the positive aspects in your life. Yeah, I love that. That's I, I was thinking about that, like you know, because I, I, you know, I think like most folks, or, or maybe I'm I'm unique. I doubt it uh, in terms of like I man, what did I have for for lunch three days ago? Uh, fucking, I don't know. You know what I mean? So I, you get to the end of the year and like I'm gonna write all my positives and I'm like fuck, what did I do this year? So I think it's you know to have that. It's interesting to have that mechanism where you do, you know sort of send some positive stuff on, on a somewhat regular basis. You don't want to do it every day, I'm guessing, but, but that's interesting. I, I love that. I'm going to try and do that one as well. Um, number nine, spend time with friends and family. Um, you know, I mean, that's, it, that can be a tricky one going through a divorce. Uh, but there's, I think always, I think, and I, you know, some of y'all out there, I know that, you know, when you go through a divorce, you lose friends and maybe you lose a majority, maybe all, um, but there's got to be someone there that you can go see and spend some time with. So, but you know, it might take a little bit more work. Maybe, maybe it includes uh, just being around people. And this is something I, yeah. I, you know, I was, I was my a uh, couple episodes ago. I talked about getting through the holidays. One of the things I forgot to say was volunteer. And so maybe you yeah. don't have a, a friend or a family, but maybe you can go to a soup kitchen or or a pantry or those types of things. So, but let's talk about that. What, why, why is that important? I mean, I obviously good human interaction is important, but but specifically, how does that help during this time period? So I, you actually took all the words out of my mouth, my <laughs> mouth, Michael. <laughs> um, the the big thing is like we have to spend we have to spend time around people, even if we we don't feel we have the energy. Whether it's random people, whether it is people that we care about, the idea is just to be in a social environment where we can actually contribute and we can actually feel valued. Yeah. Now, there was this one study that was done, uh, a Harvard study, where they tracked people for 70 years, right, across their lifespan. And they found that the only predictor of happiness, the only predictor is positive relationships. The only people over everything from money to whatever, it's having the ability to have mutually beneficial relationships where I feel I get something out of it and you do as well. Mm. So the idea behind this is exactly if you don't have friends or family, go volunteer. If you if you don't feel like you want to volunteer, go to the, the lady in the supermarket and just have a two-minute conversation with her, just so that you feel valued and be do it consistently. Um, what I, for example, like to do, especially uh, around Christmas, is um, I try to make an active point to make play a game, like online games with my friends, as an example, just to feel that that connection. Um, I try to also randomly, um, not randomly, but like I try to phone people, at least one person every December that I haven't spoken to the entire year that, that, that I had a good relationship with, just to also get that experience. But relationships help us to cope with things, they help us feel valued, um, they help give life meaning. Um, so yeah, it's important to to try and spend some time on people and not lock yourself up in your house. Well, and that's, I know for men, that's a struggle, can be a struggle, especially not only divorce, but life in general, we can tend to isolate. Um, you know, that's why I, I believe, uh, and I'm sure there are studies that bear this out, or at least there certainly is uh, educated opinions about why male suicide is so much higher than female. And I think that's part of it. I think we, we haven't mastered or we, we certainly weren't 
allowed to in some ways, like to to learn to lean on other folks and express ourselves to those folks and and get support. Um, I think it's really, really hard for men. And so I think we have to work harder um, when we're going through something to make sure we don't isolate, to make sure we get around folks. Because like you said, it, it sort of it gives you meaning. It gives you um, a comfort, I think, in some ways because you feel devalued and, and to be around folks and, and to have pleasant experiences. I think it's just it's so, so important. It's about the power also of, of vulnerability. And I think there is not one person. I think like if you have friends in your life, you feel I don't want to bother them. or whatever. But there's right, right. not one person in your life that's close to you. And you would go and say, listen, I'm going through a rough time. Can I just, I don't know, come stay with you for a day? Can, I, can we go out for a coffee? I can guarantee you not one of them will tell you no. Yeah. Um, but it's it's showing vulnerability, showing like reaching out and yeah. putting yourself out there yeah. because that's what, that's the, the, the thing that kind of like withholds us from access to this floodgate of positive stuff that could potentially help us. It's this, I have to be the strong one. I have to be the, I, I can't put up a, bra- a, a bad face because everyone will think I'm stupid or useless or, or right, weak. Right. right. Yeah. And no one uh, cares. So. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, like you said, it's, 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 it goes back to, I'm going to guess, right, to your childhood and the story you're telling yourself that was developed during your childhood. Oh, nobody cares. Nobody wants, I'm, I'm a fuck up. Nobody wants to hang out with me anyway. You know, she left me. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm useless. All those things. And that com- comes from somewhere. Obviously, the, the events of, of a divorce will, will sort of, uh, influence that, right? Um, you know, re- a rejection will do that. But if you have a solid foundation, um, you know, I think you you probably still would have some of those thoughts, but you certainly would would bounce back a little bit quicker. And I think um, you wouldn't probably struggle as much as, as I know I did. I mean, because I don't, I didn't have a solid foundation. Uh, you know, I had a, you know, I had a rough childhood ish. You know, I mean, um, many many have had it worse, but but you know, it's sometimes. It's it's really hard to sort of see through. Um, my my buddy Chris says it all the time: bounce your feelings off the truth. And sometimes your feelings are are so heavy and so weighted and so present, and and it's hard to see that they're not always true. But um, I do think that being vulnerable allows you to get support so that others can help you see the truth, which is you know you're not worthless, you're not a piece of shit, you're not you know. Uh, you're going through a rough spot, but you're you're worthy of 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 love and support, same as anybody else. So, um, um, number ten, this is a good one, and and again, I I think uh, I this is something that I recommend. It's recommended by pretty much it. obviously. There's some bias here on the podcast. Uh, you know, probably I don't even know ninety percent of my guests maybe are, are some type of psychologist, psychiatrist, doctor. Um, but number ten is don't be afraid to ask for. For, for professional help. Um, and again, I think that's one of those things that it's, it's getting less stigmatized, but I think again, for men, it's it can be a little bit more challenging that, you know, but it's, it goes back to sort of to that, that vulnerability, right. Um, the, the ability uh, or the action of just raising your hand and saying, I need a little help here. Even your support group on Facebook, right. It's not like it's not professional help in a way, but it's a community. Yeah. It is people that are going through similar stuff that's willing to share and willing to listen. Um, and sometimes, and like I am, I just want to say this up front like I'm a very well established psychologist. I've published many papers and I don't really believe in therapy. Really? Um, because the like the therapeutic techniques that we kind of like 
utilize, um, I think it's a waste of money. Um, the only thing that has an impact, the only thing that has an impact is that the fact is that when you're sitting with a therapist, it's the first time in your life where you can be true to yourself. You can share whatever is on your mind. You can soundboard with someone that listens and cares. Right? So that helps you to kind of restructure things. So my role as a therapist is only there to basically soundboard and to facilitate your understanding of the things going on. You can do that by yourself, sure. right? Um, but the thing is, like, that's the only thing, the, the most important thing that helps facilitate growth and development is having the ability to feel that I can be myself without judgment, without whatever, and having someone to listen to me and care for me authentically. And you can have that same thing in a support group. You can have that same thing with someone that you care about, with a good friend. I would supplement this with what I with these types of activities, these I want to say self-help activities, but like validated self-administered intentional activities that has shown to actually impact uh, on the things that I'm struggling with. And there's a site, um, I can't remember which university it is, but it's like called the Greater Good Science Center. You can Google it. And they have a, a full, all of these self-help activities. There's thousands of them, uh, whether it's an individual group, organization level, that shows very simplistically this is what you can do. This is how it's done. And this is the science that supports it. Mm. So let's try some of these activities. Those are the things that we'll have that will be sustainable. These are the things that you can practice because you're not going to see a therapist at 2 a.m. in the morning when right. you're anxious about the, the, the lawyer's meeting that you have tomorrow morning right. for the divorce. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm surprised, uh, but not, you know, I think it's uh I, I'm always a guy who leads leans on science to the best of his his uh, silly ass brain will let him right whatever I can try and sort of understand and and because I, I think it's I, I'm always I'm I'm always interested in the mechanism like okay this is good but why is it good and how is it good and and be specific because then I can be specific about how I handle it or approach it or attack it or whatever and so I think it's interesting that you say so so. Is there any type of modality that you would say is helpful? CBT or, or you know, um, I don't know, some of the others. Uh, that's the one that comes to mind. Uh, narrative therapies. Uh, is there anything that any modalities that you do think is is beneficial as a therapy? So when we talk about so when we talk about CBT, I think it's about changing how you think so you can change how you feel so you can change how you behave. Right. That's the that's the overall model. Um, but all every every psychological paradigm whether it's psychodynamic therapy, whether it's constellations therapy or positive psych, it's about self-awareness. Mm -hmm. So I like CBT because it's uh, it, it helps re-change the stuff, but solutions-oriented therapy works very well for me personally mm -hmm. because it's solutions-oriented. I have a problem. Yeah. There's a framework. I want to generate a solution. Yeah. I don't want to think about it because I am very self-aware. I do know how to do these types of things. I right. know how to do a psychological test. But it's like, I need to have solutions to my problems. Gotcha. And this way, that's where the solutions oriented stuff kind of helps uh, very well. But that's more coaching oriented. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do like I do like CBT because all my interventions that we also develop about is based on that principle. Hmm. Um, it's about becoming aware and changing your mindset. about this. So CBT is a good one. Um, solutions oriented is another one. Hmm. Um, but yeah, be... Be very careful with with I, I think with with other types of um, uh, approaches. Yeah. 
Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think, I think um, it's like, I always liken it to dating. Um, don't, don't settle for the first person you come across, uh, you know, therapist wise, you know, they're not all good uh, clearly. Right. No, no, you know, no, no profession has a hundred percent, you know, uh, success rate or, or, or anything of that nature uh, or, you know, a hundred percent of quality people or ethical people. That's just, that's not fucking possible. Um, I want to, before we get to, so uh, thank you for doing this and I'll thank you again, but, um, there's something that popped in my head, um, that I'm wondering if you could address, uh, and I, I scribbled it down. It's something that I, I, I think guys that go through a divorce, we struggle with this and maybe, maybe you can speak to this. Maybe not. I'm, I'm taking a shot in the dark here. It seems to me that when we uh we are told that uh you know the 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 now ex-wife or soon to be ex-wife for some guys wants a divorce they see and i understand their portion of it and why they do this they see every we we become the worst person in the world once they make that decision we are they are we are written off we're we're the villain in their story where every negative thing we've ever done in in the course of the relationship comes up and i understand that they need fuel you know to make the leap so to speak um they're not going to leave someone that they look at fondly right so they got to sort of not conjure but in a way got to pull up all these things to to fuel them to leave the other side of that coin this is the one that i don't understand why is it that we that are getting left only see the positive and 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 can't see the negative sometimes like we just we we put them on the pedestal like oh my gosh you know you were, you're so amazing please don't leave me all these even though six months ago maybe you would have been like oh this this bitch she does this and she does that and she does this but once they decide they're leaving we we put them on a pedestal do, do, is there what what mechanism is at work there if you if you know if you can speak to that because it it boggles me i don't understand I think it all has to do with um, like the the way in which we try to get closure on this situation. And I think the big issue there is about hope. Mm. And hope is I think it was said in the Hunger Games and they like they they summarize it quite well. Uh, a little bit of hope is amazing. A lot of hope is a problem. And the problem here is like you feel that still fix things it's still like this is just a thing that's going through right she was amazing and look at all the stuff going through. you're trying to convince this person of these things right mm. so just like this other person is trying to get closure in their specific way you're also trying to get closure in in a way and your type of closure is to try and re-establish that relationship to try and rework it so you're in that if you look at those that kibler ross model on the um dealing with grief right? mm. that's a big part of the denial aspect Mm. you're still trying to come to terms with it and then you jump to this whole bargaining thing where it's like okay but maybe if we can do this maybe if i do that right, right. and then like i'm going through this thing to try and convince not her but me that i can still solve this or, or i can't solve it whatever the case may be so it's it really has to do with hope mm. and it's it's a it's an incredibly interesting uh phenomena but it also has to do come down to your own self-belief like if you feel worthy if you don't like if you feel like i can actually i am actually a good person or i am actually worthy of love whatever if you don't have that strong sense of self and self-belief then you start to think but this is my only option i have to make this work because if, if i'm not this i'm not worthy enough of that uh, so it has really come back to that whole self-compassion thing uh, it's really just starting to be 
to start to learn that you are okay. And that like this is just again your process that you're going through. Sure. Um and you want to make you want to kind of like close this door in your in the best possible way because you don't want to feel like oh you ruined this person afterwards. But you also want to feel worthy. And if a person constantly tells you your shit in a divorce proceedings, what's gonna happen eventually? You're gonna feel shit and you're gonna be shit because yeah. that's all that you hear constantly. Yeah. So I think that's the there, there's the psychodynamic process, but that's how I think uh what lies behind it no it makes some sense it it, it it's sort of certainly around fear i think self-worth right you know if you're if you do get left then what's your worth and your identity and all those things it, it makes more sense now you know we sort of talked it out but i always struggle with it like why am i because i did it why am i putting her on a pedestal like with six months ago i would have been like oh she is such a pain in the ass but now it's like no she is the perfect and like which you know again in hindsight you know four and a half years later like you kind of chuckle at yourself like perfect <laughs> come on nobody's perfect but sure as shit she wasn't perfect so i just i i, I find a lot of guys do this and it, but now that you you know we sort of talked it makes it makes a lot of sense um so so thank you for doing this i, I really appreciate it um uh well let's cover like how can let's cover how how can people find you what's the best way to get in touch with you or or, or read your papers or any of that kind of stuff I think the best thing is just to, if they want to contact me, you can just email me. It's my name, Llewellyn101 at gmail.com. Gotcha. Uh, or just go on Psychology Today and send an email. Uh, I'm available wherever. Awesome. Uh, or on social media, LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much uh, how they can get in touch with me. All right. Awesome. So uh, the last question I ask everybody is, what words of wisdom would you impart to a man just starting his divorce journey? It's going to sound very cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. Um know that it's okay not to be okay and despite all the things that you're kind of going through at the moment this is an, one of the only times in your life where you have the opportunity to one really get to know yourself to deep self-discovery two it's not often in your life where you have the opportunity to reinvent yourself right so knowing yourself knowing that you can change and figuring out what are the things in your life that you want to change that you want to work on to be a better person this is the most opportune time to identify those things and i think the the last thing i think in my own mind is just that a relationship is based on a combination of two people's contributions to a problem right or to a situation you did something she did something and these two things did not go very well together and it doesn't make either of you bad people you're just bad together. We're on the right track, but on the wrong track. And the moment that you realize that, it becomes a, I think, a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I couldn't agree more. Thank you again for for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, hopefully we can we can stay in touch and you can do this again. That'd be very nice. Thank you so much, Michael. It was so nice to, to also like meet you and thank you for the opportunity to come and talk to you. Um, feel free to, to email me and talk to me and like if you want me to do something else for you guys. I'm, I'm I'm more than willing, more than willing. Um, and also, like, if you, I really like to listen to this. Like, uh, oh, yeah. I, I looked for your podcast, but I couldn't find it. I wasn't on Spotify. It's on Spotify. So yeah, is yeah. I just typed Phoenix wrong. Yeah, um, I'll uh, I'll send you a link. It's on Spotify. It's uh, it's everywhere. It's on Spotify. It's on YouTube as well. Uh, but only to a certain. I started it on YouTube, like episode forty something, fifty something maybe. 
Um, so wow. it is on YouTube, but it's on Spotify, it's on Google Podcasts, on Apple, all, all the. But I'll I'll send you a link. Thank you so much. Um, yes, and have an absolutely wonderful, merry. I don't know. I don't know. What yeah, you can, merry, you, merry can say, you can say merry Christmas. You can say merry Christmas to me. It doesn't bother me, but yeah, thank you. Uh, and, uh, you as well. Uh, enjoy your holidays. Have a happy new year. And uh, again, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Michael. Yep. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. Since my separation in July of 2019, I have done an incredible amount of work on myself. I've had many different therapists, life coaches, and went through different programs. I've taken all that I've learned and put it into my own program called Forged by Fire. If you are interested in having me help you navigate your divorce, please hit my website, risingphoenixdivorcecoach.com. I look forward to working with you.